Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on an dead man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Doesn't quite have the same ring as Pirates of the Caribbean oh. Minute, does it? Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Oh, it is better, but we're doing more than just a breakdown of Pirates of the Caribbean. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Ah, maybe. I, I don't know if I like the feel of that yet. We'll see what happens. I don't. Black Pearl Show, Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You're here. And it's the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder. Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. And of course, like I said before, as gibbeted gluttons for punishment we are, well, we break out the rum and explore not just the films, but the expanded universe and all things pirates and additional scurvy-ridden episodes. It's the first and longest-running Pirates of the Caribbean fan cast that broadcasts five and sometimes six bloody days a week. Well, once we officially get to the minute-by-minute breakdown extravaganza. So for now, it's just been... Here you go. Here's an episode. There you go. So with that said, I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. That was a weird from. Yeah. Like foam. (laughs) You guys just delete consonants in your words. It's just weird. Thanks for joining us for episode 202 as we continue to ramp up to the minute-by-minute breakdown of Dead Man's Chest. And it was so appropriate that we at least dedicate a show to the theme park attractions that started it all. Yes, today we will be chatting about all those theme park attractions found around the world that have that Pirates of the Caribbean moniker attached to them. Was that too much wordiness for you? No, it's okay. Pirates of the Caribbean rides at Disney theme parks. Is that easier for you to digest? I was trying to be high society here. and you just I don't really know. I was thinking back of Weatherby and that name. It just gets me all... Wanting to be like uh, British royalty for some reason and, and talk proper. Not foam. <laughs> some hillbilly fashion that really? everyone wants to do. Yeah. It's already there. In case you haven't had a chance to actually visit all the rides, I do have them posted at our website, blackpearlshow.com, blackpearlminute.com. This is a good time to say that during the hiatus, I revamped the site for season two and not only posted first-person videos of all five Pirates of the Caribbean rides at the parks, but have the full movie soundtracks posted there for your listening pleasure, everyone. The movie posters are all there along with the trailers, and I'll be adding some other stuff and variations at some point. So let's just say it will eventually be a hub for all the Pirates of the Caribbean movie-related stuff, and maybe some rides. You're giving me the weird look. Heather didn't even know we had a website. He's like, oh, a website. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> swear. <laughs> You're just there for the ride. She just rolls off the couch and goes, oh, okay, studio time. Guess we got to talk Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you seen that movie? Really? Yeah, I don't know. It's just there. Okay, the rides. We've talked about the impact it had on all of us as children and adults. And we talked about this when we were on Goonies Minute. And we talked about it here. 
But it really is this piece, and I'm not going to say it was the full thing, but it's really a piece of the catalyst that inspired this particular show, along with Pete and Alex over at Star Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute. That was we, we were. <laughs> that's what you were supposed to say. I didn't know. Well, there you go. They're such nice guys. They, they even congratulated us on finishing season one. Ah, we've been touched by celebrities. Aww. Well, maybe not touched, or maybe that didn't quite sound right. No, it didn't. They're stand-up guys. No touching here. Now they're going to comment on that if they hear this, so we'll see what happens. But right now that I hear that sentence in my head, I'm now I'm really ashamed of it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about the rides and maybe even walk the sensitivity plank a bit by discussing the bride auction debate that popped up earlier this year. Oh, no, not yeah, again. Only if it comes up. I'm not going to purposely go there, but if it comes up, my anger could explode. So I'm just giving you a heads up on that. You know, I have a short fuse on some things. Just a few things. Getting started here, and probably the first thing to point out is that there really are some differences between the five theme park rides. Differences spanning the storyline of the rides to duration to even location in the parks. And like I said, if you haven't seen the rides or been there, lucky enough to visit all of them, you can go to the website here, blackpearlshow.com, and you can check them out and you can get a first person glimpse at all of them. And then you can check out the differences as well. And Enjoy. it's also on YouTube. Yeah, they're just basically YouTube videos. I didn't do anything special. But Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean is located in New Orleans Square and it opened in 1967 and boasts the longest runtime of 15 and a half minutes. Pirates of the Caribbean and the Magic Kingdom in Florida is located. By the way, this is just a few quick facts to set up our discussion. So I'm just kind of going over some ride things and getting that out of the way. And then we can jump into the good stuff. Is it the whole episode ride things? Yeah, it is. But not just like, just a bullet point kind of list that I'm doing now. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So Pirates of the Caribbean and the Magic Kingdom in Florida is located in Adventureland. It opened in 1973 and is only eight. Adventureland. You have Avengers on the mind, don't you? (laughs) No, you said Avengers. You're thinking Justice League. (laughs) Because you got them confused. Yeah, you did. No. I said Adventureland, by the way. So yeah. 1973, eight and a half minutes. There you go. Really? That's that much Yeah, shorter. that's what I was saying. What's with that? I mean, after visiting Disneyland and the 15 plus minute ride, I uh. might feel a bit cheated to only get eight minutes. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean is also set in Adventureland, not Avengerland, was opened in 1983 and is nine and a half minutes long. Disneyland Park in Paris has a Pirates of the Caribbean attraction located in Adventureland as well. It opened in 1992 and has a runtime of about 10 and a half minutes. Finally, we're getting to some respectable lengths again. Next on the list is Shanghai Disneyland. And this is a Pirates of the Caribbean difference here. At this particular park, it's located in Treasure Cove. It opened in 2016 and is approximately 7 minutes and 50 seconds long. What's interesting is that it's a reimagined Pirates of the Caribbean that uses the latest technology to deliver this story directly from the movies. So instead of the movies kind of driving inspiration from the rides, this one actually takes what the movie has done and incorporates that and builds on that into this particular ride. In fact, it's the only one of the Pirates of the Caribbean rides that has a different name. It's Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure. And it's really kind of a movie title in itself, actually, yeah. if you think about that. Hong Kong Disneyland. No, it doesn't have a Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Disney had formally announced that such a ride was being developed for Hong Kong Disneyland. And this was prior to 2011, what I read. And even released some concept art that is kind of a hybrid of Splash Mountain and Pirates of the Caribbean that they were going to plan to do there. Hmm. Maybe I'll post some of those images to the Cursed Listeners crew group on Facebook. Well, I'm really 
tongue-tied today. <laughs> Kristen Crew Listeners Group on Facebook. There Avengerland. we go. Avengerland. Avengerland, by the way. But the tiny Hong Kong park still doesn't have a Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and it appears to be struggling a bit. So I don't know if oh, they're really? ever going to go that direction. Yeah, because hmm. it seems to be a bit smaller. So I think they're having some issues with that. You called it tiny, so. I did call it tiny. Now that we got our bullet points out of the way. It's like a PowerPoint presentation. Thanks all for coming to our <laughs> seminar today. If anybody likes it, like us to send them the, our PowerPoint yeah, presentation. Yeah. yeah, drop your name <laughs> on the list on your way out and we'll send you our presentation. That way you can review it and see all the cool bullet points we have. Yes, in case you don't remember. Exactly. Nothing fancy too. It's just straight bullet points. There's no pictures in our presentation. No. It's just simple text. So you're bored out of your minds when you're sitting there listening to it and you're uncomfortable listening or talking or reading it they're listening to us yeah but if we send it to them they're but if they're already in the seminar where are you if they're in the (laughs) seminar we're reading exactly what's on the bullet point the the what you shouldn't do for a powerpoint presentation is just read exactly what's already on your slide oh i don't make presentations that's right you don't apparently (laughs) heather's oh that's not how you're supposed to do it that's why everybody's sleeping i always thought they were just really focused on my presentations with their eyes closed <laughs> Turns out the Pirates of the Caribbean ride genre, and that's the idea that passengers aboard kind of these guided vehicles travel through specifically lit scenes that typically contain animation, sound, music, and special effects, actually has a specific name, this genre of rides. Care to take a stab at what these types of rides are called, Heather? If you had done I, I, any I, research for this no, podcast, you would have come up with this. You would have at least seen it. And the fact that you did, didn't. you didn't. I didn't see that. You didn't. There's going to be some made-up Shiite so. on this podcast today. Heather's going to be making up facts. <laughs> no, I have facts. I've researched. I didn't. I, I know she researched. I don't recall seeing that. It's called a dark ride or ghost trains is what they're I sometimes didn't see called. That. Specifically, dark rides. So the first dark rides, Heather, appeared in the late 19th century and were called scenic railways and pleasure railways. Wow! And yeah. Really? Oh yeah, you'll you'll hear I it too. Wonder what goes on with those ones. Hey, a popular type was referred to as an old mill or the tunnel of love. Oh yeah, <laughs> we all know what happened in the tunnel of love. Not just what you saw in the cartoons in the tunnel of love, but we know what really happened in there. You dirty, dirty early twentieth century people. You think <laughs> you're all high that, and mighty? They were all chaperoned. What are you talking about? They want us to think that, but there is hanky-panky. There is a rumble seat. There's only one reason to have a rumble seat in your car back then. And we know what that was for. But the Tunnel of Love and these other type of dark rides use small boats to carry riders through water-filled canals. You've seen it in the cartoons. Maybe some of you have in only pairs. been there. Yeah, in only pairs. A menage a tunnel ride would have more than one person in the boat with them. That's what I'm just wondering. If that's what it was called. But, ah, the tunnel of love. <laughs> Guess we wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> Especially given the shotgun nature of our relationship. <laughs> tunnel of love wasn't even in the picture. <laughs> Getting back to trying to get on track. Not going down. Trying? Early 20th century historical tidbits of Dark love, rides? love in the early days. Pleasure rides. Pleasure rides. There you go. A trip to the moon. And that's not Las Vegas these days. That's a whole different ballgame. You go to Las Vegas and you ask for the pleasure rides. That's a whole different place they're sending you to. That's scary. <laughs> not sure. You'd want that. Hey, no judgment on my part here. 
But a trip to the moon began operation at the 1901 Pan American Exposition. Leon Cassidy, for all you out there who want to know that name, of the Pretzel Amusement Ride Company patented the first single rail electric dark ride in 1928. Yeah, I said patented. There it is. It's out there. Historically notable dark rides include Futurama at the 1939 New York World's Fair and Pirates of the Caribbean at... Disneyland. Congratulations. I know. You need some applause there. Dark rides just doesn't sound like the right thing to call them. But it is, in a way. It is, but it's it just sounds... You're in the dark, and the thing Yeah, but it up. just sounds like it's evil. That's because you're thinking with a mind of somebody born in the late 50s, as opposed to... That's, a, somebody, that's interesting. Somebody... I don't know how I could possibly be doing that. That's when you were born, I'm just saying. I don't know. Somebody born in our era, and later... The new generation think of dark rides as something, yeah, kind of creepy and evil. But back then, dark rides it was actually just a description of what the ride was. Hmm. Oh, those naive little people thinking they're going to just call it dark rides. But actually, some of them were scary, too. I mean, a, a bulk of them were kind of scary. I mean, not the Tunnel of Love, unless depending on who you were in there with. But they were. And I became so intrigued by the name, not dark rides, but the Pretzel Amusement Ride Company. Yeah. Isn't me. that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had such a, like, well, it poked my head into this carnival world for some tidbits on this company because I was just so intrigued with the name. I thought, Did Boy. you say it poked your head? Yeah, like poked my, uh, it poked my. It, interest? Yeah, there you go. Piqued my interest, poked. What kind of hell is <laughs> going on no. here? Love is on my brain. Hell. Poked my interest. I am in the tunnel of love. Fortunately, I'm in here all by myself right now. That's not good. So yeah, it piqued my interest into this kind of carnival world. And I was really looking for some tidbits on the company that gave rise to this dark ride genre. Because it just sounds like fun. It's like a circus name. Pretzel. Pretzel Amusement Ride Company. So I thought, wow, we're talking rides and we'd like to bring in some history. Why not hit everybody with some pretzel amusement park ride facts? From the early 1900s. Ah, uh, everybody's just out there waiting for it. They're like, we could have pirate action or we could have amusement ride facts. Amusement and ride facts. That's right. It's exciting. So Pretzel built over 1,400 pretzel rides and sold them to carnivals and parks. The company originated in Tumbling Dam Park on the banks of Sunset Lake in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Shout out to all our folks in New Jersey. Arr! That was not oh, even a New Jersey accent. I don't know. <laughs> How dare you? A writer said that it felt like I was turned and twisted like a pretzel. So the name pretzel was chosen for the company. And a large heavy pretzel design was originally affixed to the front of each car to prevent the car from flipping backwards. Oh, really? Yeah. So you imagine that we got to weight this down somehow. Uh, How about some iron pretzels on the front? (laughs) And there you go. In 1929, a standard pretzel ride had five cars, 350 feet of track, and was one and a half minutes per ride. That's short. That's what she said. A pretzel ride sold for $1,200. That's it. That's exactly what I said. I was shocked by the price tag for the ride. You buy a pretzel ride. Not now, but at the time, still, right? It seems just $1,200 seems cheap. Yeah. It's like they built this company and they're selling a ride for $1,200. I I just, yeah, it seemed like a bargain to me. Even for $1,929. Yeah. It's a good thing you brought that up because I even went to the almighty Google, you know, the knower of all things. Yes. And maybe you've heard of it, Google, the internets, as I like to call them, the internets. 
that comes there's a long story inside story from somebody I used to work with called them the internet so I just always found it funny so now I try to call it that whenever I can that's just like was I talking that out loud or was I just in my was that in my head you were talking dang it the buying power of $1200 in 1929 is equivalent to $16,900 and change in 2017 still that's 17,000 so for a ride seems that's like a less good than bargain a car. right it seems like a good bargain yeah but what I didn't check was the ticket price for such a ride in the 20s or 30s. So I don't know what that was. was Nichols dumb. earlier. Yeah, I don't know what that would have been. But even 16000 seems relatively cheap to have a five-car dark ride in your backyard if you want. In your backyard. Hey, yeah. I hope you got a big backyard. backyard. In your backyard. Portable pretzel rides for carnivals weighed about nine tons. So yeah, maybe maybe not the backyard fare. They were unloaded from huge moving vans and set up. For the first three decades, pretzel rides were single story. In the late 1950s, they started making double-decker pretzel rides. The ride carts were hoisted to the second story by a lift chain. One of those two-story rides, the Mad Giant, was 17 tons. That's also my nickname. The Mad Giant? Yeah. Yes. And this Mad Giant was 40 feet by 8 feet on the trailer. And then when it was opened up completely, it was 70 feet by 30 feet. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty good size. And it took about five hours to get that unraveled. Because it was all in a pretzel? In a pretzel, even on the trailer. The haunted pretzel, see, dark ride, here you go, in historic Bushkill Park, Easton, Pennsylvania, was built in 1927, was one of the oldest surviving dark rides in the United States, until it was destroyed by a flood in 2004. Oh, really? Yeah, can you imagine that this ride was actually still going strong in 2004? In 2004, wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And that, even somebody out there in the listening audience may have actually ridden this thing. It's possible. Possibly. It's possible. If you have, let us know what it was like. Was it just awesome? I don't know. <laughs> of course, Pretzel did make some pirate-themed dark rides, which include Pirate's Cove, Pirate's Cave, Pirate's Den. Do you sense a lack of creativity here? Yeah. Uh, we need something pirate-themed. No, we've already done the cove. No, we've already done cave. We changed the letter. Den? <laughs> oh, you marketing genius, you. <laughs> Pirate's den. And then finally they go, oh, maybe we should change that up a bit. And then they came up with Treasure Island. It's a dark ride. So yeah, dark rides. There you go. Pretzel company. Now I think we can actually move on to what we're supposed to be here about. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. We can talk about the ins and outs of the Pirates of the Caribbean rides, but I'd like to know if you have a favorite of the five rides. Disneyland. Okay, second favorite, as I'm sure I would also say, well, I'm pretty sure because I'm the one saying it, that I would name Disneyland as mine. But Well, it's the only one I've been on. That's true. You, The only one you could physically be on, so I guess you can't really judge it by yeah. the... That's a, a good video question. Yeah, what a lame question. I mean, we'll on. see if that one even stays in there. That was how horrid of me. We're supposed to pretend like we've traveled the world to make all these rides and not make them, but ride on them and experience them and bring that back to the listening audience. But we really didn't do that. No. Yeah, what a letdown that question was. What did you think of the reimagined Shanghai Pirates of the Caribbean ride? I'm actually more of the fan of the animatronics than all the screens, but I may just be partial because of Disneyland and seeing it as a child. I'm so used to that. Well, it does have a completely different feel and adventure than the other Pirates rides. And I really do miss the old school charm of the sharp moving kind of animatronics. or These robots, like you were saying, yeah. that are really at this Disneyland ride and some of the other ones as compared to the Shanghai one. But even the boats running on tracks, it just has that movement, that feel 
that I like. It's yeah. almost like an old, just even almost like a roller coaster. You just get that click, 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 click. Yeah. There's something about that. I think some of those old sounds and things, they just kind of feed into your soul as a child. And then that helps bring back memories. Yeah. And that's why I'm also a fan of the original. But it's those subtleties that really remind me of the ride as the child. It's not a lot of the visuals. It's some of those feelings you got while you were just on the ride and the feels and the sounds that really get into your mind. Because the movement and the feel of the boat as you kind of wind around that canal... And I'm not sure if it's fair to even compare the two because they really are separate rides. It's not like they just reimagined the original Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And I think that probably would have been a huge mistake if it's like, let's completely redo Pirates of the Caribbean, but keep the same story and the same scenes, but try and animate them or use computer graphics and things like that. Yeah. Like they did in Shanghai. I think that would have been completely wrong. Right. So they had to go with this different storyline and to bring in the movie elements. And I think it just actually works well to have something that distinguishes that park and that ride from some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. But it really is kind of this great like technological marvel. And the problem is I can't help but view the original ride with that reverence and nostalgia. Whereas the Shanghai experience is just amazing with this use of industrial light and magic, computer generated visual effects. And then Disney, Imagineering, oh, those guys are just awesome anyways. But upgrading the animatronics to have more fluid motions, not kind of the sharp motions, if you want to call it that, than the at least in the original ride. Yeah. But I think that's what's endearing about it, is to have some of those things that kind of remind you of yesteryear, if you want to call it that. Yesteryear? Ah, yesteryear. I'm not sure I want to use that term. Thank you, though. I said you could yeah. use yesteryear. <laughs> that was but- only a few years of ago for me. A few years ago? Yeah. Oh, you wish. The latest ride, and that's at Shanghai, includes Jack Sparrow and Davy Jones. It features new technology not used in previous rides. And it guests start at the Royal Navy's former fortress and then pass the Barbosa's Bounty Restaurant. From there, guests enter the Caves of Misfortune, where Jack Sparrow is. Afterwards, guests enter the Graveyard of Lost Ships, where the Flying Dutchman remains and the Kraken awaits. After that, the guests will sail through the Graveyard of Lost Ships, surrounded by treasures, followed by Davy Jones's lair. Next, guests enter a sea battle between two ships. Finally, after a drop, guests return to the fort, which Jack now has filled with his gold. There you go, the rundown of Shanghai. But all of this is kind of these really cool... Computer-generated effects or some animatronic stuff, as I mentioned. Yeah. But it really is kind of a whole new experience. And the boat, it's not only bigger, but it's smoother because it actually doesn't run on tracks, but it's pulled by magnets below the surface of the water. Oh, wow. So it doesn't click, 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 click. No. But I don't even think that one does unless you're kind of maybe rubbing up against the side. Yeah, because you can't hear the water in there. But the coolest thing about the boat is that it spins around at key points of the ride. And it looks like you're sailing into the middle of an IMAX movie, kind of with all the CGI images that are just everywhere. And Captain Jack Sparrow fights Davy Jones in like these really cool kind of crazy action sequences that are kind of something that would you would think of would be in the movie. Hmm. At least I did anyways. And the Shanghai ride is missing the song, though. Is it a Pirates of the Caribbean ride without... Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Heck no. I mean, I think in this, I agree, but then I think in this particular case, Shanghai, that it, yes, because if if it's this reimagined version of the ride, and it's almost like this interactive movie experience that you're in, it completely has a separate tone than the Disneyland, say, original ride does. Right. 
To fit the song into Shanghai, you'd almost have to twist the song and give it a darker tone like the movies do, as opposed to a frolicking shanty that are being, that's being sung. Because it just wouldn't fit. Hmm. You'd almost have to completely do it like they did in the movies. Right. Otherwise, it would just I think it would just stick out as being out of place. And I think that's why I'm okay with it not necessarily being there or being left by the wayside. Because just to throw it in there to throw it in there would not work well. It'd almost be better like in the when you're in line for it. That they kind of had more of a creepy version of it. Like Lucinda Drazik, you know, how she sings it in the first uh-huh. Pirates movie. Almost having that as a low, almost inaudible, but just barely audible, you know, under some other sounds would be pretty cool. Because then you could go, okay, where the hell are we going? Yeah. So something like that. I don't know if you, you can jump in whenever you You're feel in like Disneyland, in. you're not supposed to be saying, where the hell are we going? That's right. Where the heck are we going? You got that right. But you can jump in, as I said, anytime you have something. And as I kind of, and that was just my way of transitioning from the Shanghai ride into some of the original Pirates of the Caribbean stuff that we were talking about. Because the original ride sequence and idea, it turns out that this may all just be a dream. Did you know that we are in a Pirates dream? Pirates of the Caribbean? No. Yeah, I didn't either. I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Kind of maybe it went over my head, but... According to historian Jim Corcus, he describes the narrative of the pirate's ride as being that of a dead pirate whose life is flashing before his eyes. Oh. You're reliving a pirate's last moments of his life, if you will. And this is like an eternal loop of his life. Hmm. A loop that this pirate or other pirates or this existential kind of of out-of-body experience, if you want to call it that, is forever trapped remembering. Because I guess maybe at the end of his life, you know, he's it just flashes be, before him. Yeah. And it would be almost like an endless loop that's flashing before him before he dies. And, you know, when he dies, he's, he's not there. Right. So what his last thoughts are. So that's just kind of replaying all of that. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And so this being inside a dead man's head, it's kind of like the experience going to Disneyland Park in general. And that you're entering a dead man, Walt Disney's. Memory of being a child in the early 1900s. It's like Walt's childhood is Disneyland. A loop of kind of Walt's ideas and all these things that he imagined as a kid and as adult or a young adult. And that he actually brought all these things when he was a cartoonist in his early days manifest into Disneyland. Brought all of those out. Right. So it's like his weird adventure, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting kind of weird on this. Getting a little deep in it. I'm getting deep. That's what happens. I mean, but I mean, you're inside a fictional dead guy's head as far as a pirate that's inside another real dead guy's head. It's like this weird that's meta, what she meta said. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like some crazy surreal thoughts here. Light them up and break out the Bob Dylan. <laughs> Maybe the doors. Or <laughs> name any of your other anti-establishment 60s rebel smoke them and toke them guy if you want. But... Isn't it? I mean, if that's really the case, that it's supposed to be this dead guy's dreams. And I, I know you've had a lot of books about the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? If you've seen any of that come up. Or if this is just this historian's kind of narrative and idea of what the ride is, is, is let, I guess, yet to be seen. But this was his idea that it was this loop of a dead man's last thought. Because you're seeing almost kind of a life, if you will. If you think about it, the way it starts and it goes through... It's, it's, you know, you have the skeleton portion, you have kind of a good feel-good scene, you have the battle sequence. So it's like all kinds of weird death, 
happy life kind of stuff. Hey, let's buy a woman. Let's buy a bride. <laughs> hey, who's not happy about that? And then you go to the pirate battle where people I don't know. get killed. <laughs> Send all your hate mail to Heather. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? And the and the yeah. boat is in a constant loop. So it's always replaying the same sequence. I mean, I guess yeah, you could say you that could about, say that about, about any, yeah, any ride. You could. But this one is actually a story. Oh, I guess you could. But come on. Why are you ruining this? Damn because it. Because I think it's just that, that book that I was reading that tells all about the making of Disney or parts of the Caribbean at Disneyland. It tells everything about the making of the ride. Yeah. Never mentioned anything even close to that. But this is right but up it, my alley, though. As a longtime listener will know, and as you should know, I love the symbolism and the idea that narratives of the ride, of this particular ride at least, is the last thoughts of a dead pirate. It's kind of crazy cool. It's almost like a near-death experience that just keeps going. And we as these weary travelers, travelers can then pop on board this boat and the river sticks and just sail on down into the... Mind of a dead man? Exactly. The mind of a dead man. And see what he was thinking before he passed. I guess and then it we is all a get dark off. ride. There you go. A dark ride indeed. I mean, it's almost like a that we've spun off into a multiverse with this kind of ride. The last thoughts, the life flashing before the dead pirate or the dying pirate. I mean, it really is now an infinite loop in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean multiverse. But anyways, you were saying about the... The stuff that you found before I got off on my weirdness. I was just saying. They all know that I get crazy (laughs) with this kind of stuff. This guy said something that really caught my attention. And I thought, man, he's right. But you're right. I mean, a lot of the other stories could do the same thing because they all kind of loop back. Otherwise, you'd have like this pile of cars and boats at the end of the ride. (laughs) Johnny, bring those boats back up front. And everybody would have to haul them out of the water. So it just makes sense to have a loop. (laughs) Ruins my story that way. I'm sorry. Dang it, woman. Okay, go ahead. I, I can see how he got that going, you know, thinking that way. You know, you see the different parts. Exactly. It's, it's almost like it could be like flashes of visions of your life. Yeah. You know, I understand that. But I was just saying that in the books, it wasn't imagined that way. Yeah. Or in the books, it didn't say it was imagined that way. So this guy is just probably like my kin. Mental kid going, oh, I need to read something into this. Yeah. Oh, just burst my bubble right there. Sorry. I was hoping that in the ride, in well, in the books that you were looking at and the reference materials, that it would say something about that. At least mention it. No. Well, now I feel bad about myself. I just so wanted that to be there. <laughs> I'll have to save all my symbolism, you lucky devils, for Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> minute by minute breakdown. But the idea is so perfect, if you think about it, though. And I, I don't know if I can let it go. The idea is so perfect. About this weird kind of vision, last thoughts going through his head for At World's End. Season three, (laughs) y'all. As there is some surreal elements in that movie for sure. Especially, you know, with our characters Davy Jones in the Davy Jones's locker when Sparrow gets trapped down there. That's some crazy stuff there. Oh, yeah. That's why maybe I wanted it to be so bad. I just wanted it to be a dream. But okay, I'll go ahead and listen to you. It's not a dream. It's not a dream. Or at least in the book, it didn't say it was. Maybe they, they don't want to They created the know. movie, or the the ride, that didn't say it was part, you know, okay. during the creation of it. Well, they would probably know. I'm going to move on to some random facts Do now that really I feel beat down. Do you really think Walt was thinking in that direction? I don't know. I mean, Walt... Seems an odd way for Walt Really? Really? Walt Disney, the guy who created Disneyland, all the crazy stuff he came up with and 
the ideas that he just thought of, he actually made a reality in a theme park come mm-hmm. true. The guy who created a job called Imagineer. The greatest job title of all time. <laughs> Imagineer. What do you do for a living? Imagineer. What does that do? I imagine. And I make it come true. Hey, it doesn't get better than that. I don't care what job you had. I've had some cool job titles. Not one as cool as that. You bet your ass not as cool as that. Hey, hey, what did I say? We're at Disneyland. Sorry, I'm not supposed to do that. Got that right. Ah, I don't know. Walt could come up with something like that. He did come up with some cool stuff and some crazy ideas. Yeah. That made come true. But... If it's not in your reference materials, I doubt it would because that would have been a topic of conversation, at least with a lot of those people. So, oh, well, I'll let it go. Just kidding. I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind and I'll bring it up again. Listening audience, don't you worry. (laughs) Don't you worry. Plus, it seems like an odd subject for technically children's ride. What, you mean selling women? Oh! Oh, you're right there. Oh! Yeah, but they kind of... Lighten that up. Bright auction. But not at first. <laughs> so you're... Th- that's true. That's hey, I'm going to refute you anything you, you say me. out of that. Got me. Yeah, that's right. All kinds of weird stuff. And look at in Disney movies, all the things that happen in Disney movies. Death and... Destruction. Bambi's mom dies and her dad dies or mom and dad well, die. God, oh my goodness, I haven't really? seen that movie in a long time. Something happens. Mom. And what's And the- he goes to dad. Oh, he goes to dad. Okay. Well, I-, I covered my bases. How dare you? And then he just hangs out with his friends. Good job, Dad. See? Disney. The destroyer of American culture. Yeah, the destroyer of American culture. Hmm. And morality. Oh, Walt, how dare you? Random facts. I'm going to move on to random facts. Okay. Just a few, and then you can we can get more into stuff. But I thought there was some cool random facts that I had. And if you have them, you can shout me down. If not, then I'll just move forward. But the voice of the auctioneer... Is also the Pillsbury Doughboy. That's so, weird. Yeah, Paul Freese is one of the legendary voice actors in the Disney system. And he voiced the auctioneer. And it's also, like I said, the voice of the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, really? Paul Freese. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Which I don't even know if they have. I mean, we don't have regular TV anymore. No. Do they even have Pillsbury Doughboy commercials? He goes, woohoo! I think that's it. What does he do? That's I it. Don't know. That's all he no, says, right? No, I think right? he said other stuff. Did he say other stuff? Had I to. just remember him going, woohoo! Well, of course. I mean... That's it. Insert your joke about Heather here. And <laughs> go forward. Of course, that's what you remember. Tony the Tiger is all over the ride, too. Because okay. on that note, Thurl Ravenscroft... Oh, yeah. Thurl Ravenscroft. Oh, that's an interesting name. Oh, yeah? Like I said, Thurl Ravenscroft. I just had to say it three times. Is it me or is that really... Is that like Beetlejuice? I don't know. It's a top-notch high society villain's name though, right? (laughs) Thurl Ravenscroft, you will be in my clutches soon. Good always wins over evil. I mean, he's another classic Disney voice actor and he's the guy hanging on the lamppost. Well, not literally, but the voice of the guy hanging on the lamppost and the minstrel that's playing the accordion there. And you might recognize him as the voice, as I said, the original Tony the Tiger from the Frosted Flakes ads. I don't know how long they kept him there. I should have probably looked that part up. Yeah. Because I wonder if he was the same voice if they just kept that voice when we were kids or if we're talking Frosted Flakes from whenever that came out, 50s, somewhere around there. I don't know. I usually refer to the 50s as like the decade of the sugar foods. (laughs) It came out. Sugar's good for you. Television for for all the kids. 
Yeah. So okay, that's a, that's some good random facts. That's all I'm going to leave. I just really wanted to mention Tony the Tiger and Pillsbury Doughboy. The loss of the bride auction, because I really have to go here. I'm still stewing about it. It's not really the first time Disney changed things up a bit in this ride to desexualize it. No. Yeah, I said that. No. I mean, there have been several waves of changes to the ride to make it, say, less racy or sexual in nature. Yeah. Heather tried to claim that Walt Disney would never do something like that with a kid's ride. Oh, he didn't. Just never mind. Two classic examples are what we'll call the finger quote pooped pirate who was pooped or tired because of all the, dare I say, sex he was having with the winches. He is now pooped from eating too much food now. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's kind of changed that up. The other example is when the pirates used to chase women around the balconies for, for cookies, let's just say. <laughs> Metaphorical cookies. This was all changed so that now the women are chasing the pirates for stealing pies and other snacks or whatever else is going on there. It's all about food now. Lust has actually, yeah, been displaced by gluttony. Huh. Yeah, gluttony. A more family-friendly sin. (laughs) Ah, yes. A lust for gluttony. At least we still are toying with the seven deadly sins. So I can't fault Disney for changing things up. If we keep it in the seven sin family, I'm all good with that. Hey, everyone. Walt Disney says... Sinning is fun. Now let's go to Disneyland, little Billy and Sally. We're going to get life lessons from sinning Walt Disney and the Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Sounds just about appropriate, right? Yes. That's why the tickets are so high. There's demand for that. We got to go sin. Let's go to Disneyland. (laughs) I mean, it is a family park, but is it any different than what Disney actually does in its movies? There are always adult references in the films that really kind of completely go over the heads of kids. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, is it any different than that? No. Is Disney going to change the status quo and eliminate all those references from their next movies? Maybe their next Pixar movie? Can't be, right? I hope not. Oh, you glutton for... Well, I mean... Lust. I'm just tired. It just... All the changes. Why why do we have to all make all these changes because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings or somebody's going to take it wrong. Or, you know what I this mean? This is where we have to have a disclaimer of, but, don't hate us if we differ an opinion from you. And you can always tell yeah. us what your opinion is at our Facebook listeners group or on our Facebook page. Find all the links at blackpearlshow.com. <laughs> I always need that disclaimer, don't I? Oh, you need a disclaimer. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll go there too. I mean, it's the whole point is to, to talk about stuff. It's not like we want to just pander to an audience. It's like, give us your votes on what you think and then we're going to go with that opinion. Yeah. Obviously, my opinion matters most, and then Heather's is somewhere down the list. But getting back to your question after our disclaimer there, does it really impact society to politically wash pirates or the tongue-in-cheek intention of the original ride or vice versa, however you want to put it? I mean, it's not an endorsement for selling women, for crying out loud. At least the bride auction, for the most part, except that it's buy a bride. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. An official endorsement. Like I said, tongue-in-cheek. They're pirates, and pirates do what... Pirates do. I mean, as for the original ride, I'm kind of a purist just for the history and nostalgia of it. Are you? I haven't heard that before. Yeah, I am. I'm almost angered to it. You are angered. Angered. You are angered. Sounds like a Middle Earth name. (laughs) We're going to call you angered from now on. He just missed the hobbits when they were going off, and so he was left behind. Poor angered. The story of (laughs) angered. Never made it to the official fellowship. Just fell down, missed the ride, and all that crazy adventure. Ingard for a different time we can talk about. But 
I mean, not that I don't like or expect changes. Okay, like I said, like, but not that I don't expect changes and upgrades to happen over the years. Had it been this way from the beginning with the changes that they made and they wanted to change it to a bride auction, I would probably be saying the same thing I'm saying now about ditching the original inspired Walt Disney elements. Yeah. I'd be like, why are we changing that just because society wants us to sell, have a bride auction in Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. I'm not saying it because of the issue. I'm saying it because this is where my memories are and what I like about it. I like the intention of the ride. I like the historical tidbits of it. I like the, this is what Walt imagined before he died. And this is what came out of that. Yeah. It's almost like if this ride could be in a museum... I'd be fine with it. Because I wouldn't care if any of the other rides never had the bride auction to begin with. Right. Or this one if it never had it. Like I said, I'd be going, why are we changing this? Just because people want to have a bride auction in the ride or whatever else. Right. It's not the case. It's you're taking the last ride that Walt had any input on and changing it because you feel that the population today doesn't want that anymore. Yeah, because it's not that I don't necessarily like... Well, what I don't necessarily like is making decisions just to quell a fake troversy. Yeah. Settling and doing this just to pacify, say, armchair social media activists. As someone who's in the nonprofit world, I am in the nonprofit and activism world. Social media activism is it like a crazy beast that you can't control. It can get out of hand and bite you in the ass. And you're on that same side. It'll turn its ugly head. You see it all the time. Celebrities will come out and say one thing and they endorse it. And all of a sudden, that celebrity is in a hot seat and social media is knocking them down. Yeah. It just, it can go any direction at any time. It, it doesn't care which side you're on. It'll just eat you alive. Yeah. And that's the problem. It can be incredibly good. And it's just as likely to blow molehills into mountains and take things out of context. That's what I have a problem with. Is yeah. that we, if we constantly allow ourselves with social media activism or whatever else the activism particularly is, if we do it not for making actually good, smart decisions, but we do it just to pacify somebody, that's what I don't like. Right. I don't like that. And that's the same thing how I live my life. Is I don't like somebody just taking advantage of a situation. Or I'm also one of these people that I stand up for what is actually right. No matter what kind of trouble it will get me into. Heather knows this. She sees something going on. She goes, let's just leave it alone. Because we don't want some retribution or some crazy criminals to come back at us. But no, Scott's got to stand up and say something. He's got to confront these criminals, for instance. Or literal criminals. And Heather's like, why are you doing this? And why are you doing this when I'm here, when everybody can see us? And then we got to do crazy things. But I stand up for what's right because I feel like if you don't, this is where we get all crazy serious now. If you don't, then they people get away with that kind of stuff. And so society has to continue to stand up for what's right. And that's how I kind of view this kind of stuff. Right. Let's do it for the right reasons and because it's good, not just because somebody's beating you down for it and making the loudest noise. Ah, the innocence of youth. <laughs> Just imagine all that trouble I could have avoided if I had never been exposed to the debauchery of a pirate lifestyle from Walt Disney. Maybe I wouldn't be the crazy person I am today. It's possible. It's very possible. It's too late for me, but run, save your kids from pretend pirate action, folks. 
that's my rant for the day. I'll leave it there. Good. Yeah, the moral to the story is do actual real good for justice and the environment, say. Not get wrapped up into vilifying everything for no apparent reason. As Freud said, hey, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Sometimes a bride auction, God's sakes, is just a bride auction. Wholesome selling of women for marriage. You know, they were doing good. These pirates were doing good. They didn't want these ladies to become old maids in the old days. They wanted them because obviously, you know, as we all know from the history and what pirates tell us and the old school days tell us, women can't have a fulfilling life if they're not married to a man. Hey, I'm just saying that's not my belief necessarily, (laughs) shotgun wedding, but it's the perception of the day. So let's just go ahead and roll with it. These guys were actually good pirates saving these women from being that old maid. Even for crying out loud, Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, there's a sequence Uh when even back into that day, it was the old maid. She didn't marry. She became the old maid. Are we going to poo-poo It's a Wonderful Life? How dare you out there? It's a wonderful life. Even for the old maid. How dare, how dare she? That poor old maid. <laughs> Do they even sell that card game anymore, old maid? Or is it politically incorrect? I don't incorrect? know. No. I don't know. They changed it, I haven't they? seen it. Yeah, that's right. They got rid of it, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh. I haven't seen it. Probably old maid card games are selling for thousands on eBay now. <laughs> because they can't be found anymore. Okay, like I said, that's my that's my rant for the day. I was just thinking, actually, now... Because I'm not getting back into the rant. This is something else. Oh, this okay. is debauchery. This is the de-desexualized. So it's actually sexualized if you do the DD. Okay. DD. Because I was just thinking how awesome it would be if Disney created an adult pirate ride for the 18 and older crowd. <laughs> You're laughing because you know it's true. More like a black sales adventure. Not, 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 not the crazy weird stuff in black sales. Not crazy naked debauchery necessarily. Something they could just violent it up a little bit, if that's a word. Add a little violence to it. And you could choose. You could go in the tunnel for Pirates of the Caribbean. I want the kid version. I want the adult version. Hey, I'd like to see the numbers on that. I want to (laughs) see how many people without kids, mind you, without kids, 18 and older, opt for the kid-friendly one or who go to, let's just say it, the adult version. I think we know the answer to that. (laughs) And I think we know what that means in society. We really want the bride auction. Okay, we want it. We yep. want to see some nudity along our ride. Come on. I didn't mean necessarily in the ride, but I'm just saying that as a metaphor to the movies. Movies wouldn't add nudity and stuff to it if it wasn't some reason to sell it. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I said it. That wouldn't be such a hit if it wasn't for the subject matter. And the visuals. Fifty Shades of White. You know, there's they're all clothed. Because it's the opposite of black. That's not... How dare you race that up? That was not... I didn't get know out of here with that. you were going with that. It's the opposite of gray. Whitish. Black. What is the opposite of gray? I have no idea. I could guess gray is in the middle, so it could be white yeah. or black. 50 shades of white or black. There you go. Choose your own color there. Whatever. My point is, people want to see the debauchery. If you could just go off into the... Although you couldn't really make it dark. You'd probably have to lighten it up a bit. Probably have to have chaperones. Okay, now we're getting into the tunnel of love again. We don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm just advocating for an 18 year and older with a Caribbean bride auction. Ride. Maybe with a bride auction. Maybe. Oh wait, guys chasing the women around. Possibly, possibly, and other violence. I mean, that's what we'd all see. We'd want to go in there. You know that. Some people like Heather'd probably just go back and forth. She'd get right off and get right back in line. <laughs> 
What do you have, finally, since I've occupied everything here? you have any factoids you want to share or anything like that? Well, mine are kind of set per ride. Per ride? Okay, hit it with us. Hit it with us. Hit it with hit, us? Hit us with it is more like it. The Magic Kingdom ride in Florida was opened, right? Yeah. Okay. Pass that was my that bullet point list. My PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Did you know that in the 1960s when they were creating Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom, that they were not going to put a Pirates of the Caribbean ride in there? In the, oh, the Florida version? Yeah. I may have heard something, but maybe not all the listeners have. Because I am a knowledge base, like Google. Remember Thor? People call me Thor. Can't really? live it down. Yeah. Arr! Because the pirates would... God. What? Just shaking my long, <laughs> you wish you had luxurious <laughs> hair over. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> bald jokes? Seriously? Not bald, but you... I didn't say you're a bald. Oh, you were going there. No, I didn't. How dare you? I just you? said you didn't have long, luxurious... Jeez, I can't talk. Luxurious locks? Luxurious locks. That's all I was saying. So the Send re- all your hate mail to Heather. She's a baldist. No. No, I'm not. You know this. <laughs> I'm not going into it, but you know this. So anyway, with Pirates being the most expensive ride, yeah. they decided not to put it into Florida. Oh. Okay. Because with the Florida budget being so bloated. bloated that if you put Pirates, if they were to put the Pirates in there, they would have to get rid of five other rides. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no wonder it's only eight minutes rather than the 15. No kidding. Yeah. Man. Five other rides they would that have had to get rid then. of. And then being... Florida, and they're so close to the Caribbean anyway. Yeah, the pirate bill. And the pirate whole thing. They figured that Florida did not want the Pirates of the Caribbean anyways. Because they're kind of got that in their home. Because you got pirates just walking around normally. Yeah. yeah. So they, they figured the, the residents and the tourists were interested in a simulated pirate experience. Because they could get the real pirate experience right in town. Exactly. No, that wasn't the case. I bet. The people want, we're hearing all this great stuff about the Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean movie or ride that they were complaining when they realized, when they found out that it was not going to be in the Florida. That's because people want pirate action. Exactly. Not tamed pirate action. These bastards down there wanted untamed pirate action. Yep. They want their pirate action from coast to coast. <laughs> Good job, Walt. Let's deliver that to them. Well, you know, the Pirates Ride brings that experience of being a pirate and being in that exactly. world. Whereas, okay, they may be right there, but being a normal Florida person, you're not going to see pirates all the time anyway. Yeah, not unless you're just on the street. People want to <laughs> sin. That's what we've already established this. People want a place to go sin, and that's Walt Disney World. So because they weren't going to put pirates in because of the expense and everything, Mark Davis and his team were actually planning a different expansion thing, a ride for the next phase. And it was um, the Western River Expedition. Oh, come on. That just sounds pir- boring. <laughs> in place of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Come to our PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> folks. The Western Adventure ride is about to start. Well, no, it's a river expedition through... Waterborne journey. It's a waterborne journey through the American West and with cowboys and Indians. They couldn't come up with a better name than that. I mean, at least call it the Jungle Cruise. The Jungle Cruise. You know what you're getting with that? You're getting some animal killing. Well, there's no jungle. Some hippo attacks. Seriously, not that I endorse animal killing. I am no. an environmentalist. 
So when the um, and the egotist. <laughs> so when the people started complaining, the uh, Walt Disney Production CEO Card Walker had decided that pirates needed to come to Florida. And Mark Davis wasn't happy about that because he tried to pitch this whole Western expedition. Yeah. And the snooze fest, as I like to call it. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Card Davis, like, nope, nope, nope. I don't care what you have. We have to put pirates in here. Otherwise, the people aren't going to be happy. Say this real quote Mark, we need pirate action. <laughs> Those words will go down in history. Yes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, there's more. I had to go through. This is like a t- you two a.m. No infomercial. You mentioned stuff already. There must had to be a sure better way. Oh, there must be a better way. Because I have a PowerPoint in front of me. Okay. <laughs> so there are two scenes in Florida that are not in Disneyland. Okay, I got to know. Even these. though it's shorter, so I don't know. Well, they cut out some of the good stuff. That debauchery. The treasure room is complete with bound and gagged carnal. Uh, Colonel, yes! I knew she was going to bring it up. And she thinks she's so pure. You Puritan over there. How dare you? Colonial guards. Oh, colonial. Colonel guards is a whole different ball game. Colonel guards. So this... (laughs) Oh, and the scene continues. allows the pirates to finally obtain the golden and bejeweled objects of their desire. I see. And the water table Greed. in Florida is higher than mm-hmm. California. Definitely. And so, California has no water and we've table talk, anymore. We've talked before that California is actually built in the basement. The Pirates of the Caribbean is That's built right. in the basement. Well, because Florida is higher, and we have to actually go... when you go down. You're going down, and then when you have to climb up to come up. Well, Mark Davis never liked that, that you had to actually climb. He thought it was a weird thing. It didn't seem right to him. I can see that. And so when they got to go to Florida. Yeah, because if you're in the ride, you just automatically think, okay, I'm going to go down. But you should always go down naturally. It's not like you. No, you go up at first and then you go down. Yeah, but if you were to go down, then you, yeah. Yeah. That's what it just is weird that if you're kind of on a river that you should have to go up at all. A river or an ocean? The canal system oh, in, okay. in the Pirate's Ride. Okay. You know, if you were really on that kind of system, you wouldn't just like all of a sudden be... Go click, climbing? Click, 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 yeah. click, click. <laughs> So that always bugged him. Well, when they got to do the Florida one, they, they didn't go down, of course, because for one thing, they weren't going into a basement. The water table's higher. Yeah. So they, they went up. But because they were going up, there's only one waterfall drop in that oh. one rather than the two that are in Disneyland. I see. Yeah. Also, Mark Davis wanted to do a Island of the Souls in the Magic Kingdom where the pirates would turn from pirates to skeletons and then back to pirates again. Get out again. of town. Bull. Yeah. yeah. Really? And that was the 1960s. So I wonder if that was really some of the inspiration for yeah. our uh, good friends Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. If yeah. they were think if they saw some of that and they Maybe. got that idea, that's possible. Because that's what he, he They may not admit that. it, but I mean, hell, if that's there, then yeah. that's highly possible that that's where that came yeah. from. Because he wanted to do that skeleton pirate skeleton thing. Huh. Yep. And again, this attraction is rated as the not most popular. Yeah, which would actually be interesting because they could they had that technology, especially with the haunted mansion, where you could do things that would Yeah. Because they were doing it in the haunted that kind of stuff. They yeah. were doing it in the haunted uh-huh. mansion. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So that's kind of interesting. Exactly. Any other facts? Not for Florida. 
Well, then keep it rolling, woman. I don't know what else to tell you here. You want to go to Tokyo? Let's do it. Okay. So You're driving the ship now, Captain <laughs> Stubing. Now get this thing going. So in Japan, Dead Men Tell No Tales translates to, there's no mouth on a dead person. Well, that doesn't sound quite right, does yeah, it? Yeah, that's not good. So they had to kind of change that up for the Tokyo ride. Yeah. Because it didn't sound, it doesn't make any sense. So what they tried to come up with was another phrase, and it's, if you're not careful, you will not pass this way again. Hmm. Just kind of the same thing, but more Yeah, but see, I think explains. it translates probably differently in native Japanese language than it does to English. It's yeah. the same thing as that you just read when we convert ours into Japanese. I think that there's something missing there. Yeah. And yeah. that's just a little stale. Yeah. Dead men tell no tales. I mean, that's poetry. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So when the Imagineers went to go do the Tokyo ride, they were thinking that the Japanese audience would want the theme park experience tailored to their culture and taste and, you Uh, know. That's not right, though. Reflecting. That's my guess. (laughs) That's correct. They wanted the American version. Of course. They wanted the American food, the American everything. Because that's what they're going there for. They're not going there to... They're not going there to see what they can have elsewhere. They want what made Disney magical in the United States is something that can transcend all cultures. It's a small world, for God's sakes, in the ride there. Yep. That's what they wanted. They want, it'd be like having the Wild West Snooze Fest adventure river ride trail that they wanted in Florida. You bring that to Japan and you, you make it Japanese... They're going to be like, what the hell is this? We wanted Wild West Snooze Fest. But you didn't give us that. You gave us a Japanese mountain walk, you know, with yeah. uh, cherry blossoms and geishas. Yeah. They don't want that. They see that elsewhere. Yep. Give them the American stuff. This is what they wanted. It's not like they're like doing some kind of cultural appropriation here. It's this is what pirates were like. We, they want the pirates from the Caribbean. Yeah. Not pirates from the, eh, maybe the Caribbean, Japanese style. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they wanted American. All the way down to the food. So they've got the hot dogs and everything like that too. See, that I think that's what makes the experience so. Because you're going there for that kind of experience. Yeah. But you can have a food court there. And I'm sure they probably have that kind of system where you can get traditional food. Or well, you can yeah. get some Americanized food. But it's like if you're going to the Monterey Bay Aquarium... Hot damn, you want something from Monterey, some of the local seafood and stuff. You don't want to just go, I'll take the hot dog, please. Or if you're going to a Japanese museum, yeah, maybe I'd want some Japanese food, right? You don't want, I'll take the hot dog and hamburger combo, please. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's my opinion. And as we already established earlier, my opinion is gold. Is it? Top notch. Top notch. So the Pirates of the Caribbean is in Tokyo is located in Adventure in Adventureland. Hmm. And they have the French Quarter there. It's carved into um preserving New Orleans and Narlands. And the popular Blue Lagoon or Blue Bayou restaurant. Yeah. And just like Tokyo or just like Florida, Tokyo also has the water table, the higher water table, so they only have the one waterfall hmm. drop also. That's right. The Tokyo Project was actually an in- invaluable learning experience because Walt's original dream team of Imagine- Imagineers were slowly 
retiring one by one, and a new generation of Imagineers were about to embark on one of the biggest and most challenging international endeavors in Disney history. Yeah, so it was like a changing of the guard thing. They trained everybody up and said, this is what's going on, and they could bring in some new guys and give them experience right away to to keep the ball rolling, if you will. Right. There you go. Yeah. That's Tokyo. Okay. Don't just keep it rolling, man. You're in charge here. Don't be looking at me. I'll end this show right now. How dare you? When they went into, the Imagineers went into Florida. Yeah. They went back at Florida? I'm sorry. When the Imagineers went into Paris. We're going to Paris now. Did I say we're going to Florida? Yeah. We're going to Paris. When the Imagineers went to Paris. (laughs) Okay, go. um, That the French officials weren't interested in Disneyland yeah. in, De- in Paris. They wanted their own thing. I'm sure the French because- are notorious for that. <laughs> Just as I was saying about Tokyo, erase all that for Paris is my <laughs> is my guess. There, that's my guess. Oh, you Parisians, how dare you? <laughs> you holier than thou folk out there. Welcome all our international listeners. Now, like. Tokyo, Pirates is located in Adventureland, but this time it's a Spanish fortress. Spain's right next door, so that's good. Exactly. They did a little bit, yeah, a little bit kind of different. Took some nearby stuff. Yep. Paris would be an intimidating and physically imposing edifice with the Jolly Roger flying high and proud. Riding here includes two drops, two of the waterfall drops. Even though Paris also has a higher water table. Instead of going underground, though, they actually went up. Imagineers wanted to save some excitement for the inn, so they actually reversed the ride. They reversed, like, the scenes in the ride, the majority of it. So anybody going from Disneyland to Paris, are like, what the hell's going on here? Exactly! <laughs> See, it is a dead pirate's dream. It's just in some weird world loop now. So they kind of redid the storyline inside, huh. inside the Paris one. Boy, that's what you came up with, Imagineers? Yeah. Imagineers, that's in your name. You just, <laughs> why don't we reverse this? You marketing geniuses, you. That way it makes more sense. Okay. Actually, they that's made true. it make more storyline sense. So we it's all more know, story famously than... from our first season discussions, that I have completely reversed a lot of the action sequences when I was a kid and I went back on the ride. I had formed these false memories. So that stands to, uh, to bear here. Let's finally get that sequence right and let's make sense of it. But then again, it comes right back to our story about the dying pirate. Yes. It starts with the death because he's dying. And then it kind of starts the death and then it flashes before his eyes back to the death. Because look at he's dying. Oh, he's going to be a dead skeleton pirate. Then all of a sudden, boom, he's reliving his life in the good old days. Maybe not necessarily being stuck in jail trying to get from the dog, the keys. But he relives that. And then finally, the battle sequence at the end, which could argue, possibly, we could argue. Wait, there was a hole what, blown in the jail, so he was able I know, to but get that, out. That, so that was a that good thing. That causes his potential death or his demise. It's kind of that circle. Yes. During that burning time. Maybe that's where he died. See? It can make sense. Okay, go ahead. Continue on. And in the Paris ride, the lift mechanism itself is completely story-driven, with the boats proceeding up an incline that colonial soldiers would use to transport supplies to the installation's upper levels. This helped to explain the system of chains and pulleys and winches. 
when the town floods, you know, when they're they're yeah. crashing the town floods, you actually get to float through the jail cell. Oh, that's the awesome. hole in the jail cell. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. So it's almost like you're escaping the imprisonment yourself. Right there, you go. This ride, you're actually more into the um, the storyline. You're in the storyline, yeah, because when the ships are fighting in the town, they're actually sh- they the it, people the animatronics actually look at you and see you. Yeah, because the it's, Disneyland ride, you're going through it and you're watching everything that's happening as like right. a visitor or somebody seeing this history as opposed to what you're seeing in Paris is you're actually say part of that whole story, yeah. part of that ride. So the Buccaneers actually see and fire upon you. See, that's what I like. I like that aspect of it, that you're part of it. Yeah. It's like you're actually in the ride. You're in danger yourself. Hopefully you can get out. Then you can escape kind of deal. Exactly. With your lives. Hopefully. Hopefully. The second drop brings you into a burning town. After passing the dangling hairy-legged pirate, you enter a burning arsenal. That's That's my nickname, but go ahead. <laughs> with tremendous explosions. Get sink into oblivion as town's gunpowder supply goes up in smoke. Huh. And you've been waiting for 30 years for those barrels to blow up. Well, they finally do in the oh, Paris ride. Excellent. That's yeah. what you want. Yeah. The force of the blast sends you to a dark cave. You enter in the haunted caverns. Uh, this is where you first hear Dead Men Tell No Tales. Huh. Got it. That's about it I have. So you're ending on Dead Men Tell No Tales? Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's a hell of an ending. <laughs> that just worked out pretty that spectacular. Brings us to. Exactly. <laughs> well, Dead Man's Chest, but Dead Men Tell No Tales, that's close hey, enough. It's close enough. Where the start of the ride is. Yeah. So there we go. Full circle. So that's all I have for my discussion on theme park rides. And this is just an episode talking about all the theme park stuff because yeah. we obviously bring it into a lot of the episodes as well when oh, we yeah. make connections and we continue to talk about it. But we thought... Well, if you heard our our uh, Curse of Black Pearl, it was all over that. Yeah, one. it was all over that. And that's probably what we're going to continue to do. I should say, but that's all I have for today. But I figured we should probably have at least one episode that was really just dedicated to talking about some of the different ride elements. And probably if we really took all of our notes, we could probably make this and stretch this out into some kind of crazy long episode or multiple episodes, but we'll see what happens if we want to revisit that. We don't want to bore everybody. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I don't have to worry about that. And I'm only speaking for myself here, but anyways, we have all kinds of other material to bring, and I know I've teased this before, and I should probably say that we are actually back on track. I know we've lied before about bringing episodes and starting things, but I'm telling you, next Monday starts the full week, five episodes, sometimes six, depending on the bonus episodes, as we break down Dead Men Tell No Tales, minute by freaking minute, one scurvy minute person at a time? time, something like that anyways. But yeah, we'll be finally doing that. Yay. So this is to tide you over through the week. We're finishing up, getting back caught up. And then all of a sudden, Monday morning, you'll wake up and boom, Dead Men Tell... Oh, man. Look at you. You made me mess it up. <laughs> dead Man's Chest. I don't know how many... Did I say Dead Men Tell No Tales before? Did I say Dead Man's Chest? Who knows? I'll hear it in post-production and then I'll go, damn it, why did I say that? But Dead Man's Chest will be rolling out then. So next week, you'll hear it. Dead Man's Chest. My sparkling personality and voice. Every day for you. Five days a week. Oh, Jesus. Don't scare everybody (laughs) like that. God. Man. How dare you? There you go. So thanks for listening, y'all. 
because I wanted to say y'all. Y'all doesn't even fit unless you're going on the Western Adventure. Hey, I'm saying everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely something I need to go on. Thanks, guys. But anyways, we'll be back next week, like I said, with episodes, Dead Man's Chest. And it'll be fun. It'll be fun adventure. Until then, I think we all know what to do. That's kind of a really poor outro, though. God, I really sucked that up. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that was brutal. I swear we'll get better at the outros once we get the hang of it. This is just like, why aren't we really doing Dead Man's Chest yet? That was my thing. So anyways, Dead Man's Chest, next week. See you then. Visit us on Facebook and all that good stuff. Until then, you all know what to do. Come on, keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. We all like to sin. Let's just admit it. But for our show purposes, let's keep it to a minimum. There you go. Have fun sinning. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of a rum. Yo! This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest... Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.